We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to episode 388 of the Winning Six Podcast, proudly a part of the Eurostep Podcast Network and the Blue Wire Podcast family. I'm your host, Adam McGee, and joining me as always is my good friend, Jordan Tresky. Jordan, hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I am a fan of the 16 game winning streak Milwaukee Bucks. And we do a Milwaukee Bucks podcast titled Win in 16? <laughs> sure. Uh... Sure. Uh I am I am a fan of the Bucks winning 16 games in a row. That's definitely a positive step and improvement upon some of the conversations I felt like we were having earlier in this season. Um, and some of I guess the wider angst that the fan base was going through. Still a lot of time to go. You don't want this to be the height of the book season, but I think for a lot of the year we have all been looking for. Okay, let's just 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 give us a sign. Just give us a sign. Show us what's possible here. And rounding into health, um, still seems like there's just one niggling injury. <laughs> every every single game, one or another is going to pop up, so that we can ever just be like, oh look. They're fully healthy and all options are available. Um, 
I guess that's the nature of the NBA. It's just been a consistent thing for the Bucks all season. But in getting closer to that, since Chris Middleton has returned, they're undefeated. As Ron Cotty regularly reminds people now, mm-hmm. very regularly. It's almost a scheduled tweet at this point. 16 straight wins is good. We'll get into a little bit more about just how good that is, where it stacks up within Bucks history. Um, you know what else is good, Jordan? Being the number one team in the Eastern Conference. Half a game up on the Boston Celtics as we record this. That has been a journey to get that back. And to the Celtics' credit, they have not made it easy. You know, when the Bucks got 16-0, and the Bucks could have had that a while ago and have really built up a multiple-game lead. The Celtics are 8-2 and two in their last 10 games and must feel a little hard done by to be losing ground and now in the second spot in the East. But with 20 games to go in the regular season, we're truly into the stretch run and the Bucks have ascended to the top spot in the Eastern Conference. Also yeah, worth yeah. noting, they're four and a half games up on the Sixers for third. So this is quite clearly... The books, unless they melt down completely, will be a top two seed and have home court at least up until reaching the conference finals. Which you know what? If you reach the conference finals, you'll you'll be happy. You'll take your chances one way or another. We know what this team could do. We prefer home court, but I, I don't think it's the be all and end all. How are you feeling about all of that, Jordan? About finally being number one again? Um about 16 sweet, sweet wins on the bounce. We're at number one. I'm feeling overjoyed. It is good to watch um, Bucks. I mean, everything about it is very just, <laughs> it's very positive. I don't know. I don't know how it feels different than when they, and this might segue into our streak talk, but it feels a lot different than when they went on their 18 game win streak at near the start of the 1920 season. That felt like, Oh my God, what? Like it just, there was just something about it that like, there was a natural progression of like, or not natural progression. It was just felt like this, like rocket just taking off. And it just propelled them. This has been like, we know that they have this in them. And you have to go through all these different pitfalls, injuries, people missing games for management reasons or, you know, working their way back from serious injuries. Um, All those different things. And I was like, this is still a good team in that, even when they had a five-game losing streak earlier in the year. And there's... Reports on podcasts from Bill Simmons to Zach Lowe about like there's just this corner of unrestlessness or restlessness about like this team knows that they're better than what they have proven or put together so far this year and everything like that. And it turns out when you get rid of the <laughs> some of the people unhappy with their roles on the team and uh, all this stuff, it starts to the the picture starts to brighten up. Um, it certainly also helps having someone like Chris Middleton back because he just makes things a lot easier, even as 
he's still working his way back from you know a bench roll and everything like that it's just i don't know everything just feels like it's it's hit this everything's fallen in its right place and I think that even kind of just sees in like how the rotation looks and the starting lineup of like when everybody's healthy, they're just going to roll with how, where it is. And, you know, you don't want to mess with a good thing. It's, it's, decisions are going to be harder, you know, in a couple of weeks time when playoffs start to come into the fold and all that stuff. But, but right now, top of March, beginning of March, you don't say top of March. I am overjoyed. I, I, I'm very happy. It's just a nice, nice, pleasant experience being a Bucks fan right now. I had to fight the urge to start echoing Tom York-esque when you said everything is falling in its right place. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Jordan, there have been 34 instances in the history of the NBA where a team has notched up 15-plus wins in the regular 34? season. 34? 34. That's a higher number than I would have said. Well, you say that. Do you know how many of those 34 belong to the Milwaukee Bucks? I know you do, unless you've oh, just forgotten. Yeah. But... Oh, yeah. Eight. Eight, baby. That's not correct. What? <laughs> you do know, so I thought you were going to give me the right answer. I the saw answer... a tweet. No one lies on Twitter. The answer is five, which five. is a very, very impressive number. Um, Greater than 20% of the 15-plus win streaks in NBA regular season history belong to the Milwaukee Bucks. And the only team with more is, unsurprisingly, the Los Angeles Lakers, who have six. The Boston Celtics tie for second with the Bucks on five. Which, why do, why do people talk about, you know, Lakers, Celtics, and forget the Bucks, Jordan? That's what I, I want a Bucks stay at ESPN. Let's go. Let's do it. The was it best of enemies? Was that what that doc yes, was it called? Three part um, doc, which was was that Ice Cube and Donny Wahlberg? Am I remembering that correctly? They were the dueling narrators. Possibly, I actually have not. I've seen bits and pieces of. It. I haven't seen them. Before. I I do think I'm right on that. Open the correction, but from it memory, would make sense. From memory, that's who it was. Which. I don't know how I would feel about that trade-off as a Celtics mm-hmm. fan, but I guess such is life in the trade-offs of a Celtics fan versus a Lakers fan. Um, <laughs> the Bucks have had a knack for doing this across their history. Of course, this comes from the fact that when the Bucks have had good teams in their history, the Bucks have had incredibly dominant teams. The all-time Bucks record comes in at 20 wins. We're five wins away from that, surpassing it. And if the books do that, it would come against the Golden State Warriors. A lot of ground to cover between now and then. Um, but given the history of those two teams and streaks and streaks being ended, that could be a fun storyline if it was to get that far. Beyond that, though, I mean, I, I think the things that are going to be kind of looming, first and foremost, the books heard longest winning streak isn't now a three-way tie at 16 games um so this is matching their their highest mark from before if the bucks win their next game against the philadelphia 76ers this will become the third longest winning streak outright in books franchise history and 
next up, two wins away, is the longest winning streak of the Budenholzer era, which is, as you mentioned, very early stages of the 2019-20 season, um, when the Bucks rolled off that 18-game run. I think in comparing these two things, and this is interesting to try and unpack. Okay, great. So they've won 16 straight regular season games. Maybe they keep this going. Maybe it gets to a really notable historical number. What does it mean? Like, are we learning something about the books? As in, are we learning something about the books as a potential championship winning team or what they're going to bring in the playoffs by the fact they're doing this now? What I will say in comparing to 2019-20 is, you alluded to this earlier, but that run, how it was put together, was very much a destroyer of worlds run from the books. Game to game, just wrecking shit. Just anything Mm -hmm. in their path they were going to destroy. There was no stopping them. I think what's most striking about the current run is, it hasn't been like that. It's not like they've all been nail biters either. To me, it kind of feels like they're doing this in cruise control. Like, it's it's the best they've played all season, but this is not the most dazzling version of the Milwaukee Bucks either. I, I think there's something pretty interesting about that, and I, I do think part of it is finally getting close to healthy, the depth is showing up. And, and that is the difference maker. It's like, not everyone is playing their best, but even with Giannis missing some games, and they've had multiple guys miss multiple games here or there, they can find a way to work through this and to keep winning because the depth that I think we've all been excited about is largely available to them, and we're seeing that pay off. Are you inclined to agree with that, or am I am I playing this down in terms of performance level too much in comparison to 2019-20, which... I don't know, the other part of this, which is maybe hard for us to unpack now, is the novelty value in 2019-20 for us to watch the books go on a run like that was so much greater. And maybe it just retrospectively feels greater as a result because the buzz we all got from it was possibly more than we're getting now because we're like, yeah, sure, we know they can do that. But I, I do... I do really feel like there is something there to these two runs being put together in very different ways under Bud. I don't think you're wrong. Um, I I think where I would go with this is that a lot of that 2019-20 run and just the early Bud years pre-championship, basically the first two years, Everything was like, okay, they start off his first season in Milwaukee 7-0 and and just race to the top of the East, top of the NBA. And obviously we know how it ended. That winning streak the following year after the Raptors series felt very much like we're a better team. We have to win at all costs. There's so much on the line. Obviously the, everything about Giannis's year and his big decision and everything like that, it was loaded in such in that season – um, before it got derailed by, uh, you know, a global pandemic, um, that it felt like watching that streak and when it eventually did 
end against the Dallas Mavericks with Chris Davis Porzingis <laughs> and Luca. Um, it felt like you can't afford to lose at all costs. It felt like any loss that they had that year, obviously I'm talking about a winning streak, but like any, it had to be like, you have to beat opponents by 10 points or more. Like it can't be like anything less than that. It can't, there can't be nail biters. You can't give in or like just make these crazy comebacks or stuff like that. Like it just, there was just this heightened sense of everything just being like, it has to be this way or, you know, they're whatever. This time around is different for the fact that like, it obviously coincides with Chris coming back after being away for however many games it was after his first return. There's been a lot more changes that have happened. Bobby gets hurt. misses a lot of the chunk of this winning streak, obviously. Um, Giannis has missed some games. They make the trade for Jay Crowder. Um, it's just like a lot of different things have gone on that like, it's just full st- like steam ahead that I don't know. I, I I do agree that it's been a little bit cruise control and and all that stuff, but also like I don't know which one is I, I think that I would take this a lot better than how I would take it a couple years ago where winner I think you prefer you'd prefer this way of putting it together. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I, I, I kinda do. I mean obviously the timing of it everything plays a part in this too, because you'd rather see this click on at this time of the year, rather than, you know, it's October, November, and you can easily lose this as the Celtics are experiencing um, oh. down the, down the line. I know they're still the second. They, they are, they are, and they aren't like, that is the thing they have. They have lost the lead in the East by way of the books being ridiculous. And I guess the Celtics position being, we can't speak for within the Celtics organization, but I think in a wider kind of discourse way, overstated, overplayed their position of dominance in the East. Obviously, the playoffs are going to come, and that's a different thing to be decided. But the idea of the Celtics as the runaway team in the East was, I mean, we mocked it at the time because it just seemed like something that everyone was carried away with. In the same way that I think right now it would be wrong for everyone to just completely lose themselves on, oh, it's the books, it's the books. Yeah, like I do think what is clear is these are the two teams. There's certainly yes. oh, the two teams in the course. Eastern Conference, but I think there's a case because there's less uncertainty in how the bracket might shape out in the East compared to the West. They might be the two teams just in the NBA overall. Or if you're positioning this for okay, well, who's going to go and win the championship? I I guess what I'm getting at is. Obviously, within this run, um, before the various kind of injuries have cropped up, we've had some spectacular Giannis games, particularly early in it, and some really strong runs. We've had some great Drew games. We just haven't had, oh, Giannis is on top form, Drew is on top form, Chris is 100%, he's feeling it, he's scoring a lot of points, where it's just like, oh, the books are unbeatable. And there's a couple of weeks of that, and that's why they're rolling off wins. And that is very possible that that comes at some point this season still. I, I think that is it. that's the part where I'm going with cruise control. There's nothing about this right now that is unsustainable for the books at all. I mean, of course they're going to lose. 
yeah. to answer the question that the title posed on the Eurostep <laughs> earlier in the week. They they will lose eventually. I'm sorry to say they will lose eventually. How many games they'll lose between now and the end of the season, I think is an interesting question because this is just very, very sustainable. And even part of it, what they have shown through this run is I, I think the instinct for everyone is to be like, yeah, but look, they're going to lose soon because they'll have a game and they'll sit, yeah, and they'll sit and it's like, yeah, they're really deep. <laughs> like, that might they not can matter. hang in those <laughs> games and they could probably eke some of them out. Like, if if just one of, if Drew is out there and you've got good role players, it's like, you know, they can probably win that game. doesn't mean they will, but they can and this thing could keep going for a long time if they got through games like that and then I guess the A squad goes and takes care of your tougher opponents like they will lose but the point I'm making here is this is not nothing about this is like they're just hanging on for dear life they're just Mm -hmm. they're clinging as parts of the rocket just tumble off into space and they're getting ready to burn up that's not what's happening here this is just oh yeah this is one of the very very best teams in the NBA they are confident they know what they're doing they're experienced and it's starting to come together at the right time in multiple ways I guess that's that's where I'm using cruise control just purely because we can use a different driving analogy and say maybe there's another gear if not two gears to go here but that's that's where I'm coming at. I just don't see what's unsustainable about this. It's it's perfectly sustainable. And in fact, when I see a lot of what the books have done over the 16-game stretch, you're like, yeah, they they can be better than that. They kind of are better than that. Like, uh, if, we, if they could just actually get the health worked out and maybe get to the place where they're more comfortable ramping up Chris, and then we see Chris try to be a bit more of his old self too, or you know, just all the right players click at the right moment. That's not the byproduct of this, which it's not just a books team. This is the longest streak of any team in the NBA this season. I'm mean, usually when a team mm-hmm. gets this hot in an NBA season, it's like everything is going right. All the role players are playing as well as they can play. The superstars just completely at the peak of their powers. That's like we've had we've had all of those elements within this run. But it's not like that's been a constant throughout the run. That is not what is fueling this. It's just the books being really good, but I also think just deeper and smarter and maybe just more ready for this kind of moment. Or maybe even, dare I say, a little bit more invested in this time of the season with Jay Crowder coming in maybe with the fact that they haven't got to play together for a lot of the year where they're kind of locking in at a point where other teams may still be, I don't know, trying to work out the pacing of this marathon that is the NBA season. It kind Mm. of feels like, particularly as we can pinpoint to, oh, when Chris came back the second time and you look at the record from then, that makes it kind of easy to glibly be like, okay, they said our season starts now and we're going to go on and we're going to show playoff intensity and we're going to go and win another championship. But there might be something to that because of the variety of outside factors that came to the table. This books team has more reason than some of their rivals to just be like, okay, right now we're serious. 
we're out there, we're winning these games, and we're taking that into the playoffs. Sky rockets in flight. The rocket reference was about five minutes ago. So mm-hmm. I also had another reference. Um, the trucking along pilot flying J style. Got anything other than references? Um, <laughs> no, of course not. Um, no, I, I, I agree. I, I just, I, I don't know. There's to your point of like, there is a certain like demarcation of like with Chris coming back, which coincided with Giannis coming back when he missed, I think up to eight to nine games. Um, however long that stretch was. And to see how it has come to fruition now where like, look at the last few games, they're on a back-to-back Again, hosting the Magic after beating Brooklyn the night before, that looks like a trap game. And the Magic, you know, our young team, a little foisty out there. Um, a little, a little what? Foisty, foisty, feisty, feisty. Okay. Um, and then why would, pres- why would they be British? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I mean, that's without speaking to the merits of that <laughs> British accent, but just I assume that's what it was. Maybe it was Australian. I don't Orlando know. Orlando Bloom, I guess. Is he British? He is British. Thank you. Um, they proceed to shoot the lights out. Brooklyn, they're down however many, I think it was like 10 at halftime. And <laughs> they just like curb stomp them in the second half of 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 that game they're without Giannis against the Suns and pre Kevin Durant making his debut with the team and that was overwhelmingly a great comeback it wasn't it was very much in doubt but like I don't know there's just so many different things that they that has gone on with this streak especially late as of late that like we all know that it's going to come to an end but like the things that keep occurring where you know, Drew comes up big, even if it's he's having struggles for the first three quarters. Chris making his way and in, inching up those minute workloads every, you know, couple of minutes, every passing game. Jay Crowder looking really solid for them already and doing what he does best, along with like just little things that he's just kind of really, I don't know, settled into his new surroundings. It's just like stuff like that that like we, always keep talking about like oh like if in, in these situations clutch moments when with or without Giannis or someone else in the rotation Bobby coming back and making his imprint pretty pretty quickly especially in that heat game like there's just stuff like that that like just keeps happening that like I don't know I, I don't think it's manifest destiny per se but it is just nice like I said before, just seeing the team really coalesce at a time when, you know, things were murky, at, let's just say, before then. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, that's enough of the, the dull stuff, you know, just the relentless winning. Let's get to the stuff that, you know, really gets our engines revving, Jordan. And that is... Jimmy Haslam. <laughs> Son of Papa Jim. Little Jimmy Haslam. The Haslams uh, have, following on from our conversation, our deep dive into the Haslams, which if anyone wants to know more about Jimmy Haslam, and I guess some of the questions that Jordan and I had going into, well, is this agreement going to go true, and what will it look like for the future of the books? We've got some of those answers so those others it's going to take years to get to the bottom of um but since our last haslam specific episode of win in six um news emerged reported by eric name and champs for the athletic that mark lazary has an agreement to sell his stake in the books to cleveland browns owner jimmy haslam and haslam sports group for a 3.5 billion dollar valuation um, let's pause there for a second because I was seeing honestly mm. some very dumb stuff, like unbelievably dumb stuff on Twitter around the time where people seem to think that twenty five percent of the books were being sold for three point five billion. That's the valuation of the franchise. Lazarion's twenty five percent. You could do the maths yourself. It's about eight fifty, under nine hundred million dollars. He's selling his share for, which when you purchase the team for. 275 that's good business jordan i think you'll be happy enough with that um that is the third like relative to what this is it is the third highest sports franchise sale of all time um valuing the bucks at 3.5 billion i want to come back to that in a moment and ask for some of your thoughts on that particular detail um what do we know beyond this some of the details that have emerged, I mean, first and foremost, Haslam had been spotted courtside at multiple games. Um, he was at the Suns game last Sunday. Has he been at other since that I haven't picked up? I did not spot him in the owner seats of the Magic game. Mark Lazary, it should be noted, Mark Lazary was at the Brooklyn game with his famous friend Bill Clinton, as he usually is in Brooklyn. Got a one for the road, you know. 
Um, I don't Brandon know. If, don't know if Jimmy's going to be bringing Bill to to Netscapes. I don't think so. But I maybe maybe they'll be good for a couple of tickets for for Mark still, and he can bring Bill. I'm sure if Mark wants books tickets, he could get them. Whether he wants books tickets, that's another question. We'll get to that in a moment, Jordan. Um, what do we know? Okay, so one of the questions we had, I guess maybe the most vital question in the short to medium term was: Mark Lazary is the controlling governor of the books ownership group um, at the moment. His term is coming towards an end, um, but there's still, what are we at, a year and a half left? It'd be 2024. I would assume that is summer 2024. So the rumblings so far are that Jimmy Haslam will immediately be taking over as controlling governor. So, and the gavel, yeah. <laughs> I think, aside from any concerns we have about his past with teams, that is insane. Honestly, that is insane for the new guy to come in and <laughs> to have the ruling vote on all things within the ownership group for 18 months, particularly when the team is doing as well as it has and has been run in a relative sense as well as it has been in recent years. So we will see how that develops. I don't know if there is any wiggle room around that as in like, was that just, well, you're buying he... his stake and that is just tied in contractually. Yeah. Like the owner of that him. stake. Like I, I assume it's that rather than because he's buying from Lazarus. He's not, Edens has nothing to do with that sale. So Edens has hardly said, sure, buy a stake and I'll let you just take over as governor. Um, That is interesting and possibly troubling, to say the least. But that answered one of the bigger questions. So this has not been officially announced by the books, by Haslam, by the Lazarus. It's widely reported upon. Um, It will likely not be officially announced until it's been ratified, approved by the NBA's Board of Governors, the owners of all the other NBA teams. We were talking about this privately. It seems at this point in the season that the next opportunity for that is likely just before the NBA draft. Yeah. I don't know what kind of fun and games that opens up, Jordan. Let's say if the books were to win an NBA championship, um... Does Mark Lazary still technically the owner, controlling governor, get out there and get to be handed the trophy? Probably. I don't think he can hand it to Jimmy Haslam when he's not officially an <laughs> owner of the team. But maybe Jimmy just shoulder. maybe Jimmy just takes it. I mean, he's been surely this is why he wanted in on the books, given his sports ownership history. Mark, you did a good job here. Let me take over here. <laughs> just. <laughs> Pushes them off stage. I'll take it from here, Mr. Silver. With a cane. Um, (laughs) The reality of that is, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. um, Because if this was able to be approved immediately and this change happened now, the upside would actually be that it would be a good time for this change to happen, as in, there's absolutely nothing he can do really for a few months to 
disrupt the apple cart, set off plans. If he gets approved just before the draft and he is the controlling vote, there could be an impact immediately. I'm going to assume that as like a significant amount of business, Jordan, that <laughs> he is going to defer somewhat to his partners and there will be a spirit of collaboration early on. But technically, let's say John Horse wants to make a big trade just before the draft. You got to go for ownership approval. Well, Jimmy Haslam will just have the team and he can just be like, no, I don't want to make that trade. Um, I don't think that's the right idea. So that is going to be an interesting wrinkle to go into the offseason and all of the various book stories that are com- going to come with that. And honestly, maybe more so than the idea of the draft and trades and free agency. I mean, the biggest questions facing the books in the offseason are probably Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez. Yeah. And what you're going to do with them and how much you're prepared to pay and what that means to the overall bill. Also, maybe Bud. When's Bud's contract? We got another. That is exactly. I believe he was given a three year extension after the championship. Same with Horace. So I would assume that would align with a year remaining on his contract. It's probably 2025 because that's a lot of where the key dates are with the with a lot of Bucks figures. If it's 2025, but... I am going to go out on a limb and say there will be nothing happening with those contracts because Mr. Haslam will probably want to. I mean, there's no urgency to if it's 2025, but yeah. he'll probably want to. Like okay, let's let's see what this John Horst is about and what this Mike Budenholzer is about, and make decisions from there. So, don't know on that one. But on Brooke and Chris, they will be big decisions. And again, anything that's going to come down at that level and is going to involve ownership. There's a new voice in the room, and if there is any split, the casting vote is going to belong to Jimmy Haslam. Um. One thing I, I really don't want to dive into the reaction on social media from books fans around this or quote unquote books fans in some cases. I I just I don't think it's uh necessarily the most well thought out a lot of what I saw. I, I think the one thing I will bring up is there's been a lot of well, this is great for the books. They've gone from one rich guy to a exponentially richer guy. No problems. They'll pay whatever tax. You know, this is an upgrade. Great news for the books. I was like, okay. How's that worked out for the Cleveland Browns? All all that hassle money. Has that brought happiness to the Cleveland Browns? Money isn't everything, Jordan. I think Jimmy Haslam's history in professional sports might actually be the definitive proof of that. So... Just because there is that wealth there, which honestly, it's also these things always get slightly interesting, slightly complex because people um, routinely cite his wealth as it's not even net worth. And the figure that keeps being thrown around is tied to Pilot Oil Corporation or Pilot Company, whatever 
whatever it is. You're talking about the value of the private company, which is the family business, which is brother also owns. It's not, it's not as personal wealth being discussed all the time. Now, obviously, the wealth of the company means he has access to mass capital. Um, but I, I think there is always just a, oh, look at whatever, 42 billion or 48 billion, these kind of figures I've seen. And it's just spoken about as if that's what Jimmy Haslam comes to the table with in his bank accounts. And he's just going to be like, sure, luxury tax, who cares? That's New cluckery, not... let's sign, you know, that kind of thing. That's that's not how this works. So uh, there are things that are going to remain interesting to keep an eye on. Um, just because of his wealth doesn't mean necessarily that his response is going to be, let's just keep spending, as opposed to being the kind of businessman who'd be like, this team is really, really good. Could they be? Could they be just as good or close to as good and have a chance to win a championship with us spending less? That's always the danger. And we'll see what happens there. I should also add, I'm talking like Chris and Brooke. I guess Jay Crowder, now they've acquired him, he comes into the mix of well, Drew is of uh eligible, is he extension eligible? Eligible, especially if he gets all NBA nods, because that is kind of in play. Yeah, that's true. But Crowder is one like we've been down this road before and I don't want to get burned by what we have done in the past, but you kind of say, well, you pay that price, like shorter second rounders and whatever, but quite a lot of them. If you're acquiring someone at that point, you're most likely doing it with the intention of, we want to sign this guy long-term. There was obviously a lot of talk around Crowder sitting out in Phoenix and the idea of him wanting a certain kind of destination sure part of that is being on a contender in a place where he's happy to play but you got to think another factor in that is okay is this a place where if i play well and i enjoy it they'll keep me around yeah there again we can speculate but that's all it will be these are things we're gonna have to monitor we're gonna have to watch and see what happens and we could be very pleasantly surprised it's also a case where we could get some decisions this summer, which are not indicative of the overall thing. There could be a, a desire to come in and, you know, get everyone on board and be like, yeah, I'm here and I'm going to spend. And a few years from now, that could be cut back. It's kind of, these are all the question marks that I guess we haven't had to deal with to some extent. We've had a known commodity. There's been stability there. And for whatever questions they were, I think we know what the questions are. This is now something a little bit more unpredictable in probably more ways than one coming into the mix. So <laughs> we'll, we'll continue to keep a close eye on how things play out with Jimmy Haslam. Am I, have I missed anything? There, there was a note. I'm trying to remember because it was you who sent it to me. I can't quite remember where the reporting was, um, but about some of Lazary's other business interests in Milwaukee. Ah, yes. Can you remember um, where, what the source was in that? ESPN's Tim Bontemps when the story broke Monday morning. Um, talking about having an interest in keeping his real estate holdings in Milwaukee, which I don't know if that would be interpreted as his own or related through the Bucks, because obviously part of the promise on buying the team was a real estate purchase. So 
yeah, if I'm Mark Lazarus, <laughs> I'm getting royalties for <laughs> for essentially ushering in the the Deer District and you know ponying up for a lot of the developments going on around Milwaukee. Yeah, I think I'd be pretty psyched to <laughs> take a step away from the team um, in that sense and still be getting a lot of money. And there, of course, was the, uh, I believe, in that same article and reported by Shannon Sharani of The Athletic, there was the rumblings that Lazary has his eyes on another team within the league. Um, cue your speculation here on where that could be. Well, um, I I have I have speculation. I'll share privately. I will share publicly. Um, I I think look, I think there's an obvious team which we can talk about, which is I'm sure the Lazarus would love to own the Knicks. He absolutely does not have the capital from what anyone can see, like from the outside perspective, to just straight up buy out James Dolan, uh, but. That doesn't mean he's not going to go into another partner partnership. And I can see the kind of partners out there who will have their eyes on the Knicks. And in fact, there has been reporting recently. And some of those are, you know, parties that the books have had a chance and I guess books ownership have had a chance to make connections with. So I don't want to go any further than that. I think if you've got even half your finger on the pulse of all things NBA, <laughs> You could put two and two together there, but I I do think there could be a path where he is the NBA ownership expert. He is the person who, for an outside party, who wants to come in and is like, okay, this seems like a good investment opportunity right now, which it is. Um, the the value of the sale shows that may not be the best time to buy, but depends who you're going to buy. If you're going to buy the Knicks, the Knicks are probably always a good purchase. And there's always the possibility that you make them something other than a complete embarrassment. And if the Knicks were actually, you know, a juggernaut, the revenue that would come in there would be pretty formidable. So I think he has an interesting advantage if he wants to get back in. He can be a partner who ends up very prominent, even if he's at a slightly lower stake and where his expertise are really valued by essentially the real big money investors alongside that. Yeah. I think that's a space to watch whether it ends up being the Knicks or someone else. Um, His thing of, oh, well, I know how to do this. I want a championship. That's pretty valuable. It's, so having, having money to spend, being able to meaningfully invest and being able to speak to your track record, um, being able to speak to what seem like good relationships around the league, good relationship with Adam Silver, I think there'll be a lot of people who will be interested in Mark Lazary's services and that it could smooth out some things for potential outside investors into the NBA. That's my theory. Um, I, I am interested just like this. It doesn't affect the books, but I'm just curious as to even what way the ownership of like, as much as we joke about the cluckery and we joke about the Deer District and all of that stuff, like, the Deer District is owned, or, sorry, the cluckery is owned by Deer Solutions, LLC. Yes. And I'm, I'm trying to remember what the the books, um, what the actual company is. It is a different name again, it's, though. Oh, yeah. So, 
that's when we talk about is his property interests. That was always something we had, which again, I would assume that if you're Jimmy Haslam and you're valuing the franchise at 3.6 billion, you got to think that involves the deer district and the arena and getting your share of that stuff. Um, so maybe that Tim Bontemps comment on things was on separate real estate interests that really we don't know or care about that are just happened to be in the Milwaukee area. But I think that's an interesting thing because what I wanted, what I do want to ask you is Jordan $3.6 billion for the Milwaukee books. Um, I'll, I'll cross sports here for a second. My, my first love, my Premier League football club, Manchester United, are currently going through a sale process, or I think a better way of putting it is the Glazer family are they're seeing what kind of price they can they're fetch. Courting. They're courting. I th- without getting into the details on this, because most people probably aren't interested, I within the family there's a split on who wants to just cash in, get out of this. And who wants to keep hold of Manchester United? And they've retained this mega finance company from New York who specialize in these kind of sales processes, who have asked investors to come and put offers together. And I believe that what the reports are is that the highest offer, they had an offer in the kind of three and a half to four billion range they have an offer in the four to four and a half billion range um and the glazers are not supposed to be like no <laughs> a lot of people are kind of like they're crazy supposedly they want six billion they're never gonna get six billion why would they get six billion and then i'm going through part of this and i'm like if the milwaukee books are worth three and a half billion dollars the milwaukee books Jordan, I love I love these Milwaukee books, but maybe maybe this is one of the first times I've ever said this. The Glazers are onto something. So just this valuation is incredible. From your perspective, what do you think that valuation is born out of? I know the the obvious answer and the undeniable part is just. NBA opportunities don't come up too often and now is a time where it might be the last good time to get in if you're looking to cash out even pretty quickly you want to get in somehow now because there's money to be made I don't know if that's going to be the case long term Um, I also doesn't apply to someone that has them as well but we're really at as we talked about in the past we're at the last point where I don't know, like a normal billionaire can can have any interest in being an NBA owner or that could be affordable. Aside from that, though, aside from new TV deals around the corner, like, is this the Giannis effect? Is this a recent champion and a team that's still contending? Has Jimmy Haslam been had here? I think there's a lot of all of the above. Can can that be my answer? As um, kind of middle of the road answer as I usually am, like to do. 
Um, yeah, how do you go from buying the team for a total of $550 million in 2014, which, again, as we constantly have to note, that was his share was what? 25% of it? 30% of it? 150 of 550 million? No, well, it wasn't 25% at that time. The 50%. Oh, yeah, 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 yes. I think very quickly diluted to 33%, but I would assume 275 million was probably his cut of the purchase of the team. Yeah. Um, To getting out at 875 million to 900 million dollars. Ten years later, um, yeah, I think it's I think it's just all of the above. Honestly, I think it's the sheen of winning a championship and possibly adding another to your tro- trophy room, having a superstar in place for the next couple of years, foreseeable future, possibly even more. Um, as much as we to what you alluded to, we had talked about. Lazarus, Eden's, Dinan for a very long time now, since the inception of this podcast, it's been a stable ownership group, even when you know, NBA teams as much as it does feel like um, the hip and hip hip league rising all this stuff. I thought you were going full Sugar Hill gang there for a second. Yeah. (laughs) Um, up until like a couple years ago, there wasn't a lot of teams that were sold, and some of them were forcibly sold because of sure. the incumbent owners. Hawks and Clippers as examples. Boom, yes. So I mean, I mean, more recent example, which is the benchmark for valuation, which is the Suns at $4 billion. Uh, That didn't come about because Robert Sarver was... He was like, hey, today's Tuesday, I'm deciding to sell my team. No, it's... <laughs> yeah. Um... So, yeah, I don't know. I think it's the exclusivity part. I do think Castle may have gotten sold a little bit. But also, if you're a man of his means, you're willing to be like, well, that's no hair off my pilot flying J. So I guess I will do that. And I don't know. I, I just think it's for every reason why we listed and why the Bucks are, um, have been a stable franchise for a very long time now amidst a lot of questions and they have continued to answer them um and i think too this might bleed into a lot of the online discourse that you and i have seen and all this stuff of like uh your point of lazary being a billionaire cat or lowercase b versus uh haslam being a billionaire uppercase b kind of thing like that it's like the guy still made significant means and did all these things that, you know what I mean? I also look not to I borrow want, your joke. I also, I don't want to get into the conversations I have on another podcast, but you know, I, I wasn't worried with that with Lazary. The books have managed that just fine in the way that, uh, I don't know, an ownership partner of Giannis Antetokounmpo. We have to be more specific on that now, um, as we'll get into in a moment, but. Like the Mark Adonazio situation is a little bit different. I like, yeah, there is in theory possibly more funds available to Jimmy Haslam than there were to Mark Lazary. Are, are they going to be available? How will they be put into use? I mean, the other part of that is people look at all those funds, 
the guy owns three professional sports teams, one of them being an NFL team. Yeah. Uh, there is a very significant drain on his funds from multiple directions. And I, I think maybe we're slightly lucky that the team he owns is the Browns and we won't have to worry about this too much. But you would worry about someone in that kind of situation. The push-pull of if the Browns became good, all of a sudden that's where you want to spend more of your money. Um, and this is something in a similar way, I guess you could apply to Wes Edens. If Aston Villa all of a sudden really rocketed up the Premier League and became a team with realistic European aspirations year in, year out, you could be like, does he want to pump more money in there, pull back a little bit on the books? That's something about all these multiple ownership kind of guys, these billionaires who collect sports teams. I should also note a very important thing that I've seen develop um, of the Cleveland follows I've, I have on Twitter. The Browns, the Browns are in early stages to try to build a new stadium. Um, so, yeah. So you may have those funds. Where are those funds going? And I'm just saying. Are you, are you have... telling me the cluckery might be funding the Cleveland Browns new stadium? Is that depending on how all these various deals go. I'm not just saying that. I am telling you exclusive right here. I'm holding the microphone. Oh, no. This is always terrible. The new Cleveland Browns stadium will be titled. The Cluckery. The stadium at the Cluckery. Boom. You heard it here first. Uh, We got some breaking news. I don't know if you're aware of this. So we we got a few minutes ago, but I was going to do this. I thought at some point you might just grab your microphone and be like breaking news well which is reported the books have emerged as front runners to sign goran dragic um he is connected with a few contenders since the bulls waived him but the east leading books have moved to the forefront of reaching a deal with dragic to give even more specifics well which says dragic is visiting the books on friday sources said all these visits sign him <laughs> they love a visit jordan um he's visiting them rather than them visiting him interesting True. Yes. And the Bucks tried to sign Dragic prior to him committing to the Nets a year ago and could have agreement as soon as tomorrow, which is today as you listen to this, most likely. Although maybe not. Maybe I've got to get out immediately now, Jordan. Thanks, Woj. Um, <laughs> what? Uh... I don't what your thoughts are on this. I mean, There's no so they're, harm. So they're looking at deciding Goran Dragic a year later than when everybody thought they're going to go after him. There's no harm in them being like, "Hey, let's go get." I guess the highest profile available point guard right now. I don't think it's that. I think it's more of, "Hey, this is the guy that's um." fills our biggest need that we have to worry about within our roster. Yes, but I think there's something we briefly touched on in relation to Myers Leonard, and actually Ty and Rowan touched on it in greater detail on the Eurostep, of the way in which Leonard is a good fit for the books is, for all the wrong reasons, but essentially the circumstances of where he has been brought to in his career, he was able to come in, and if the books are like, whether it was just for 10 days, which we'll find out, and this probably makes that more Yeah, likely. we're within that window. I don't know. We'll see. It probably makes it more likely. They may be bridging a gap with, okay, Bobby's coming back, Giannis is battling through some things. 
I still don't know. Don't know. But the thing that he had that obviously Sergio Vaca didn't was he was content. In fact, he was going to be very happy to play the role that the books mm-hmm. had for him. Goran Dragic, if they want another guard, even if it is purely their break glass in case of emergency guard, he is definitely at a point where, one, would he like to get himself a championship ring? You betcha. Um, But two, if he's going to log a lot of DMPs, he's probably okay with that. Um, His minutes were not all that sky high in Chicago this year, in part because... Wasn't all that great. He's okay. I was gonna say I. I don't he's think he's okay. He's, he's better than probably it's, advertised. It's honestly better than what he was last year. And yes, last year. Yes, was a, last year a, was really tough for him. Yeah. I think this is worthwhile and makes sense. The interesting things will be, like if they are keeping Mars Leonard, which I do think going back a couple of weeks ago. If you'd said, okay, the books are going to use their two open roster spots, that would have seemed unlikely and been surprising. But if you're saying, okay, they're going to use them, what do you want? I certainly would have said a point guard and a big. Yeah. Like, they're, they're the only holes on the roster, particularly after you've got Jay Crowder. I think the big question, and this kind of goes into a topic that we were about to touch on before this breaking news. Um, when the Bucks released Alexander Mamu Kalashvili, exit Sandman, <laughs> exit Sandman. Um, Woj literally wrote in a tweet that uh he wants this opportunity that the Bucks, a veteran later roster, was not able to give him. Now you're adding a veteran who got bought out by the Bulls in part because he didn't have a role on a, I would say, veteran-laden roster. And Yeah, but they're just like... I know it's the Bulls. I know it's the Bulls. They're just I a know. floating pile of shit in the middle of the ocean. You know, they're not, they are. That's They're not just, doing anything. Like, they're just... They're not good. They're not bad. Like, what is the point? I mean, it's true. Mm-hmm. He would have fit on Herb Cole's books oh in, of course in that kind but of this sense. is this goes back to the well what are you are you myers leonard or are you serge Ibaka? they're very extremes in terms of buy-in of a role or lack thereof but i don't know i that's that's ultimately the biggest question with any buyout signing or end of the season signing what what are the intentions if you sign goran dragic you're doing it with the intention of obviously addressing one of the few holes on your roster, but does he expect to play 10 to 15 minutes a game? No, I don't think so. Also, does it matter? I I don't know. Like I, uh, he, I kind of think it does. I think. What way can I put this? Serge Ibaka came to the books with a, like big personality established reputation as a big personality uh, colorful character, quite literally. Whether that's we're taking in his fashion, his music. I know you always love to talk about his music, his Art. his YouTube, like whatever, whatever element of it is. I think if it wasn't a good basketball fit to begin with. 
No. But I, I think all of that stuff made it really tough when he just wasn't good anymore. And yeah. you're dealing with a guy who... As it shows, he's still out there. He has a he has an ego. He has an ego based on multiple fronts. He does not lack in confidence. And he's like, why am I playing? Well, the answer is, you suck. Like, you're just not good anymore. But I I I know I know the point that you're making. I do agree with you in the in in the context of Ibaka. Dragic gets traded from Miami to Toronto in the Kyle Lowry deal. Mm-hmm. Immediately flames Toronto. Doesn't want to be there. The talk for the better part of three months last year was about Dallas is going to make the move. Dallas is going to make Boss, this move. What? Why is he doing that? Like what? What could? What did Toronto not offer him that Miami did? Chance to win. Like I, I think that was part of. He just didn't feel the belief. Now, to what extent he was right on that? Uh, he was what a guy who obviously looked around and is like, okay, you know, here with Jimmy Butler and that version of the Heat team, here's what's possible. And he was on a Heat team that got to the conference finals. So yeah, I that mean. Is true. There is some grounds to him feeling that way. Was it a fake season? Yes, but listen, like, uh, there's no need to tell Goran Dragic that right now. We'll be nicer to him than we've been before. A player <laughs> with a interesting checkered past when it with comes to going up against Bucks players. Um, I don't know of, and I've never really heard of him as like a disruptive influence within the locker room. Like I, I think. That's a different thing with situation being just a bad fit. This is exactly the kind of situation he wants at this point. And also, like from a very practical point of view, he's in Chicago all year and he's out of Chicago and it's like, okay, we're gonna relocate to Milwaukee. And I've got a chance to win, like win it all. That seems like it is actually gonna be appealing to him on all fronts right now. How many minutes there are for him? I don't know. He is a guy who there's no doubting like what his abilities were at the peak of his powers. And I guess it's just giving you, we lost George Hill. Can we, can we get that back? And this kind of does that more of an offensive focus than a defensive focus, but as in, okay, if we need an extra playmaker out there, if we need like an old veteran, steady pair of hands, this guy can be that. If he has a really good shooting game, he could do some damage. Like that's kind of what this feels like to me. Is is there a way? I I don't think the books would have wanted to part with George Hill, other than that's the only way they had to get a deal done. Like to George Hill's great continuing misfortune. Every time he comes to the book, the bridesmaid never the bride. Well, he's just the. Uh, He's always the only salary that you can make deals with, essentially. Like, he's core to getting deals done. It happened to him again. I don't think in terms of roster construction, though, the books were like, yeah, we just don't need that guy or a guy like that. So this is probably the view to that. Like, Javon has clearly established a role. We know what Drew is doing. We know about the massive wing and forward depth that's there now. I don't know how many minutes are there for really anyone before beyond seven players, eight players. Like... I think to that point, I think the only I would have I would say, and as much as I think a lot of people will be very pleased with 
getting another ball handler because we can always use just someone that moves the ball, gets the ball in the right spots. You know, we've seen this offense get bogged down so many times in the playoffs. I just, I think it's the, I think it's the big thing. There's always going to be times where, whether it's Brooke, whether it's Giannis, Bobby factors in this too, but they, it's not, he's not locked in at the five. They, they will play as big as they want. There's more minutes to be had for a center, but the centers out there, like Nerland's Noel, Babaka, obviously we just touched on. Um, Macho Hernan Gomez is not a true five. He's not a five. Uh, He's not a five at all. He's Both not cruises. a five at all. Um, Billy. Billy was a five. Wancho's not a five. Billy. Um, I, I listen, his name is Billy. I. It was news to me, too. I thought he was Willie, but his name is Billy. So. <laughs> um. I don't know. I, I, I That's where I kind of landed on it. And it's. To that end, we've seen a lot of Myers Leonard. We didn't see him in the Brooklyn game. I think he was only in the garbage time portion of the Magic game. But, like, they signed him and they threw him out in the fire. So, like, there's minutes there to be... <laughs> what? <laughs> they threw him out in the fire? Fire, yes. I don't know what that was. Um, Listen, you've got the perfect... You've got the perfect metaphors for that. Like the, the saying ties closely to you, you know? Out of the frying <laughs> pan into the fire, Jordan. Boom. Through the fire and the flames, dragon force remains. Oh my God. <laughs> Congratulations. If you had a Jordan Tresky dragon force reference on your winning six bingo card today, come collect your prize. Guitar Hero 3. That's what it was. Um, I was like talking about. You're really into Dragon Force. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a lot of one of these. That was, was a day a lot one. Of, that was I had a lot of buddies, not me, but I knew <laughs> a lot of people who insisted that Dragon Force was what it was all about. Um, the the I guess the one thing that should be added here is this is an incredibly expensive move for the books. Um, it's gonna cost them a lot of Jimmy money. Jimmy Haslam's bankrolling, baby. Is he though? <laughs> I doubt it, because legally I'm sure know. you can't do that. Whose names are on those checks? Mark Lazary. Definitely Mark Lazary still. <laughs> uh, whether it's his, whether, you know, I'm not, listen, I'm not going to say anything that will get anyone into trouble. There's, we have a history in this organization of saying things and people get in trouble. Not mm. us saying things, but let's oh, start yeah. that now. Um, I, I don't know. But with the Ty led this, and Ty made a very compelling case to convince me that they were likely to even leave the two roster spots open because it was just going to get so expensive with the multiplying effect of the tax. And I don't think it's impossible that they'll have both of these spots filled now. This could just be perfect timing where they just cut ties with Myers Leonard. And they say, okay, you kind of bridged a gap at time we were concerned. My one counter to that, more so than guard, and I know this is a cliche for me to say this, I've been saying it all along, I think the chance of you just needing a few minutes at center are much greater along the rest of the road. 
Uh, yes. Like that's that remains the concern for me. I'm not saying Myers Leonard is the answer, but to your point, like is the answer out there? No, of course the answer's not out there. The perfect answer, but just having someone who can take some of those minutes, I think they're closer to having There's the no... season severely disrupted, if not derailed purely just from not having the right kind of size if Brooke was to miss a period of time, if Bobby was, if Giannis was, knock on wood. And really, all of those things aren't the same either. It's if, if Brooke was to miss any time, as currently constructed, not having any minutes that you could give to a real center would completely change the dynamic of how the books are playing, which is just not the kind of thing you want. It's not like if Brooke went down, you'd be like, oh, well, Myers Leonard, you're up. But at least having the ability to play some minutes and drop is something that he's clearly been trying to embrace with the books. And I guess they're working on with him. That's going to be really fascinating to, to see, okay, what are they doing for multiple reasons? One of which they're going all in. And you know what, actually? Jordan, this would be a good time to go all in, regardless yeah. of who's actually cutting the check. It's like, yeah, this team's on 16 straight games, and they're first in the East again. And if I was the owner of this team, I'd be looking, I'd be going, yeah, we might get ourselves another championship here. So this would make sense if they're to do that. Uh, I like Goran Dragic is old. He is not what Goran Dragic once was. But even with someone like Myers Leonard, this is. This is becoming. They're going after the heat guys, Crowder, is... Leonard, oh, that's... Dragic. <laughs> wow, that's that's a full reunion coming on. Yeah, never thought of that. Um, Maybe that's how they got. They're in with they're Dragic approaching too. like the most weirdly deep team I can remember in the NBA, though. Where Roland Cody, if you're listening right now, just cover your ears for a second. But with the exception of Tanasis, this roster is insane though just in terms of profile it does not necessarily all hold up like this is not the prime version of Goran Dragic um, it's not the prime, prime version, version of, Joe, of Ingles, Joe Ingles but those guys can still play to some extent and could still give you something and particularly in Dragic's case like if he's going to be in the 13, 14, 15 range. He's not going to be 15. Sorry, Tanasis. Sorry, Rohan. Um, but if he's in the 13, 14 range on your you already roster... already he's the 15th without 15. You're really good. You're really, really good in a way that's just kind of absurd. Yeah. And to your point, like Dragic has represented the... Not the obvious superstar point guard that would give the Bucks fits, like a Kyrie or uh, not Dame Lillard. They've had a good job of slowing down Dame Lillard, but you know what I mean. Like the one of the premier point guards in the league, he is kind of like the guy that's always been under their skin for a long time, and he just—he's not like you said, he's not the same guy anymore. But like. He just has a way of, of uh, he, really... he could do the things that he did to kill the books. That a game yes. like that could still come. You know, like this is very, very Jeffrey DeMarco Teague esque. Yes. You know? Yes, it is. As in the kind of guy you're getting, and it's probably I don't know, there's a trade off. I think Dragic at his peak 
better player, better fit maybe for the books. Who's all NBA guy with the Suns? Yeah. Little bit older though, like 37 in 65 days. Um but that's kind of the vibe here. And longtime listeners will remember that my thing on Jeff Teague, all throughout that was listen, there will moment. be one Jeff Teague game. There will be one <laughs> Jeff Teague game, and that's all it will take. And there was indeed one Jeff Teague game, which was important and valuable. Now, the depth we're talking about makes the situation very different here, but that doesn't mean that there's not one game where, I don't know, Drew ends up in foul trouble. It doesn't happen very often. Or Javon ends up in foul trouble, and all of a sudden you're looking around and it's it's Goran Dragic time. He could still come in and do a lot of this stuff. Uh, I think the lefty sharpshooter element, though, is maybe most finely tuned to tearing up the books than any other franchise in the NBA. But there's something always fun, interesting about getting all the old enemies in the room together and they're on your side now and being like, okay, you know, <laughs> tell us what you think. Tell us what you know about us. What's your state secret? Let's, let's all row in the one direction now. I don't hate it. I'm just interested to see what the developments are next. Um, I think he's a good personality and he's the kind of veteran who is going to be very, very engaged and determined to make the most out of this. He's had a follow great, up. great NBA career, but an obvious hole in his resume. Sorry, Jordan. Follow up uh, information from Sir Adrian Wojnarowski. Uh, they have emerged as. Bucks have emerged as strong front runners to sign free agent Gord, 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 guard Goran Dragic. And a formal agreement could be reached as soon as Friday, sources told ESPN. Um, he's planning to meet with the Bucks officials in Milwaukee on Friday. He is poised to join the Bucks after strongly considering them before signing with the Brooklyn Nets a season ago. Sources said the Bucks believe Dragic's tough minded leadership and abilities can help them off the bench in their championship pursuit. That tough-minded leadership and abilities is interesting, too, because obviously that's what's... Goran Dragic uh, wrote books fans up the wrong way at times, and uh, I think Chris Middleton in particular made some notable clashes and tangling of limbs over the years. <laughs> Can't beat him, join him. But this books team has a real edge that we've actually never seen, even though... Like PJ brought something, and that I think that was key to that Bucks team getting over the line. I wonder is that something they're targeting? Because Joe Ingles, Jay Crowder, Gordon Dragic is like there's some heels there. There's some shit houses there, Jordan. There's gonna be some very, very upset fans of opposing <laughs> teams who are gonna hate the Milwaukee Bucks during the postseason because of those guys and i feel like generally we've had to be on the other side of those kind of situations mm-hmm. so that's that's interesting though that the books may even be valuing some of that and maybe identifying some of that edge and toughness as being beyond the oh what pj tucker did against kd or what pj tucker did against the Suns. the the whole you know we dogs and everything that came of that was different to any other books team and maybe it's not a coincidence that that is the one that got over the line. We dragons. Oh. <laughs> Dragon Bender back is the big. Oh. 
I mean, they'd need a big... Dueling Dragons? Double Dragon? The NES game? Oh, we can dream, Jordan. We can dream. <laughs> um, you, you mentioned Sandman. Time with the books come to an end. I feel like I'm going to be more harsh than I've seen everyone else being here. Because everyone's just like, yeah, oh, you know, clearly got ability. Great guy. Great. I like him a lot because he's weird. We talked about this from the start. Weird game, weird skill set. Interesting. Fun to watch when he's out there. Had some big games with the herd. I just don't think he's an NBA player at all. And I don't think he ever will be or close to it. If he is going to latch on, this is the time of the year where some bad team at a roster spot will just be like, hey, sure, yeah, yep. come on down. But I, I don't think that necessarily means anything in terms of sticking. I honestly, like, this was the thing when they drafted him. It's like, what does his professional career look like? Where does he fit? How does that shake out? I still have that now. I don't even know if he was to go to EuroLeague or something. Like, is he is he a EuroLeague level big? I really don't know. Fun game, interesting skill set. I'll be rooting for him, but my current feeling is he just has not looked like an NBA player at all with the books because the limitations are clear and they're he's a tweener and he doesn't have the kind of frame to do the things where the quirks that are in his game that are positive would really pay off in a game changing way. If he's a little bit bigger and he could do that, a little bit stronger, a little bit better, yeah. Or, you know, even just if he was a little bit bigger in height, he's Christian Wood, frame-wise. But if he was bulkier and stronger and you could hold your own defensively to some extent, you don't have to. I see your brain just whirring. You're trying to come <laughs> up with a that first of who it would be. Um, it would be Nikola he's the Jokic. Think, he's the thinking man. It would be Nikola man. Jokic. <laughs> He's the thinking man's um, uh, Joffrey Lavunier. Oh, I have a team. I have the team. I have the team that he's going to sign with. Manu? Yes. Go on. He's a total Spurs player, without a doubt. Oh, that's a really good call. Also, I mean, their season, the significance of their season happens in May. And that's the draft lottery. So they they will easily take on any kind of weird, interesting players that may become, you know, cut like a diamond uh, in a couple of years. So maybe they're tanking for Wembenyama, but they were tanking for Mamu all along. I'm Jordan Tresky, and that is the six o'clock news. <laughs> I think that's a good call if he latches on somewhere. I still kind of feel like I, I'll believe when I see it, although I have to assume, unless he's got the worst advice, uh, oh. which could be possible that there is a team ready or there has been a conversation that... You don't do that without a team having a team lined up, right? Well, if that right? was the case, though, you think you'd be snapped <laughs> up already, Jordan? I mean, the Willem have... Dafoe meme of for <laughs> Sandman, I'm just like, you're going to have another team for me, right? Right? For his sake, I hope that's true. We'll see. 
I, I honestly, I don't know. Um, also, if you say with another team, two way, does another like that is a legitimate uh, question. I, you gotta get a real. You gotta get ten days or something. It's not a two way. Plus, he's also he's again. If that's what he's getting, I don't just I don't know why you'd. What you doing in the first place? I don't know. I don't know. Is Mahomes not at the end of his two way eligibility anyway? Yes, he would be. I if he if he ends up going and signing a two way for a bad team, I just think. What's the point? What's the point? Yeah. What's the like? Get yourself a real deal. Get yourself a if a team likes you and enough that maybe you're forcing this true as well. Try and get yourself a, you know, non-guaranteed into next season or a partial guarantee to some point and give yourself a chance with some other team. I like it's a really quick way to be out of the league to just drop off the face of the earth with the books and yeah. go sign a two-way with some other orc who might get a look at you up close and it's like, nah, this guy isn't it. Mm-hmm. We thought there was something there, but there isn't. I don't know. I wish him well. Um, I just, sadly, I would have loved with the type of game he has for it to work out. I just haven't seen it, honestly, for yeah, really since he was drafted. Um, nothing he ever did in the G League suggested to me it would translate to the NBA level, which is a problem. And honestly, he could be one of those guys where. If he doesn't latch on with a team who ends up spending a lot of time in the G League, puts up elite numbers, gets a 10-day, fills in for a team for a while, drops back down, next season the G League, called up for a 10-day, you know, it's a really kind of tough spot to be as a player, but we'll we'll see. Maybe I'll be proven wrong on that. Um, I think that's pretty much it. I guess the last thing that we'll touch on that Besides emerged... Besides the tweet of the week. Well, yeah, of course. Um, the second last thing we'll touch on (laughs) is the news that emerged on Thursday that Giannis has bought a stake in Nashville SC, the MLS club he's part of a group of new minority investors in the MLS club um, along with Nashville Predators forward Philip Forsberg also included in the group Tanasis, Costas, and Alex. So the Antecumbros are in the soccer ownership business. Not sure if they're calling it that themselves, Jordan, but I'll call it soccer for the sake of avoiding any confusion. Um, this is interesting. Of course, Janos has the minority ownership stake in the Brewers, which I am assuming is very minority, but... <laughs> Who knows? I mean, given his wealth, maybe maybe we're approaching the point where if Giannis wants to go all in on the team, we could do it. Um, I just... Like, yeah, he loves sports and he and his family particularly love soccer. This still just doesn't quite like make sense to me i'm like cool i also just don't know what Giannis's long-term vision is and i guess part of this factors into it's like okay well let's say the dream scenario plays out and Giannis plays his entire career as a book and he's the ultimate books legend 
what happens next? We have him coaching in an all-star weekend and coming out after that and being like, people don't know this, but I want to be a coach. We have him buying minority stakes in multiple sports teams. Uh, I don't know if he wants to be a GM. We've certainly seen how his work as an executive has played out over the years. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just kind of increasingly like, hmm, about what some of his planning seems to be for his future. There, Look, there are other non-sports-related ventures. Um, I believe there's like a kind of a nutrition brand that does supplements and like protein bars and drinks yes. and stuff like that that he also they started um maybe i don't i maybe it existed but it, it was news to me this week that they started a charles antetokounmpo family foundation which made big news on uh, the daily show Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you followed the evolution of that story and the Skip Bayless taking part of the clip out of context. And are you familiar with this? No. So I live up to the first name of Skip Bayless when I see his content. So I only saw yep. I saw the follow up that Hassan Minaj did on this. He did like an eight or nine minute segment talking about just this is why he, he does not like I guess doing TV stuff like this so Giannis was on and they did a bit where Sam Minaj and his writers had preloaded jokes into the auto queue about multiple NBA players for Giannis to tell Giannis went on telling the jokes and then immediately after he'd say something he'd be like oh KD I love you I don't mean that you're my hero you're my favorite player whatever so, on Skip Bales' show, uh, he and Sean Sharp, right? That's Yes, yes, you're correct. They were sitting down and they played the segment of Giannis dissing KD and they cut the clip at the point where Giannis <laughs> of course. reverts to being Giannis and apologizes and... Skip Bayless went on a whole thing about, you know, Giannis speaking like Kate about KD like this and so disrespectful and he he's waiting for KD to to get back at Giannis over all this kind of thing, which yeah. So that was that story. Um and in the follow-up as I managed to finish it by saying, Well, if you're gonna use the clip out of context, Skip Bayless, I'd ask that you donate to the Charles Antetokounmpo Foundation. So, plenty of spotlight for various interesting reasons. I have yet to see whether Skip Bayless uh, followed through on that as issued. I would imagine no. But uh, we'll also, he follows no one on Twitter. Oh, so, so I don't you won't even, even know about it. it. Yes. Interesting. You There's know what, literally... Jordan? Maybe he's got it right. <laughs> Maybe following no one on Twitter. Uh no, you know what? I don't. I disagree with that. Following people on Twitter is good. Being followed, not so good. He's actually got the uh, worst part of it. Uh, to bring us back to the point, though, what do you think of Giannis, minority sports owner? What What at this point do you imagine Giannis's post playing career looking like? It's certainly not going to be the jokes that he made of 
Where's Tim Duncan? He just disappeared. Kind of. This thing. is very non-Tim Duncan. It's no Tim Duncan. Whatever his holdings and dealings are, they're not as public as someone getting into ownership realms. I don't know. I I legitimately do not know. He's one of the highest paid athletes in the world. Um, and is going to be like that for the rest of his life. That's not nothing. I Does that mean it's always going to be in Milwaukee? This obviously is not just a Milwaukee thing, even though there is obviously a connection between the two cities. Um, who's, who's to say? We see LeBron James getting into the uh, looking ahead Vegas, this ownership circles and stuff like that. Giannis is... What, what, what? The, I just think the LeBron thing. I just think, as always, that's terrible. Like it's corny. It's it's the Vegas element. Like, but if he should be looking to buy the Cavaliers, it's not who he is. I know it's, it's not who he, he is, but it's never what he was. That's the thing about the whole thing with the Vegas thing. It just it totally fits this era of LeBron. James, who plays for the Los Angeles Lakers, but does not belong to the Los Angeles Lakers, quote unquote. Um, whereas you think, like, but I mean, like, Jordan owns the Hornets. Like, he went back at least to to yeah. his roots to be like, if they're actually there's no connection to his playing career. But he at least, like, you could see why that happens. And I do think we're not going to comment on that. Uh, we'll leave that to Andrew Snyder to get into Michael Jordan's ownership of Charlotte's basketball team. But there is something kind of, I don't know, sincere about I want to own an NBA franchise and I want to own the one for the place where I'm from. Yeah. we're get, Look, we're getting sidetracked. I guess the closest to that for Giannis would obviously be Milwaukee if it ever comes to that. Um, I don't know. I, LeBron is a different, a different kind of guy, just doing his own thing over there. I just always think <laughs> it would be so much cooler if LeBron was like, "Yeah, of course I want to own a team, and I want to own the Cavaliers." And also, given you know his history with Dan Gilbert and. I think it would be an interesting full circle. It would be. Yeah. Narratively rich, but he's not interested in that. He wants well, to own a soulless team. Um, I guess the Las Vegas Kings or something they'll be called. Can we have two Kings in the league? Probably not. If you've watched Space Jam 2, you'd see that LeBron is not very well at uh, writing narratives. So. I have watched Jordan. I don't believe you have, but I have. No, I haven't. No, I have not. <laughs> so you, have you got anything really on Giannis? Or is it just... No, I just think it's... It's, it's just a mystery, little, really. Like It's the, these pieces of the pie. But it, do it, you, when he says he wants to be a coach, do you take that as... No, I don't. I don't I, believe that. I wouldn't say I don't believe it. I just don't think that would work. He just... Is it like is he's got a mentor that he could look to? You know, uh, a notable, a notable 
NBA legend, one could say, who Giannis played under early in his career. Like, it's just not necessarily something that works out very well. He would be telling guys who hyperextended their knees, you guys just need two weeks and you come back. I Like, you're joking, but I also do I legitimately think Giannis' standards, like, his own standards held up to other people, disaster, which is nearly what always happens with the truly elite players in that kind of role. Um, ownership is maybe better, but I don't, I don't know either. Given what we know about his personality, don't think he has to be a luxury tax owner. Um, we'll 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 see what happens. I just find it continually interesting. We don't. We also don't know how just minor these stakes are. Yeah, and it really could just be. Oh well, this is a fun thing. I can say, you know, me and my brothers can say we own part of a soccer club without really having any meaningful skin in the game. Yeah. Maybe that's the reality of it. Um, and of course the PR opportunities make it worthwhile for those partners. The Brewers thing is interesting because it really it's just not a thing. Other than that, like one game where he showed up and he was there with Leem and, and they they made a Giannis bobblehead last year. They do. I have it. Just a few feet away from me. Shout out to, to Kelp, who I'm sure is listening, who got me a bobblehead. Um, pretty pretty convenient for Giannis to get the Brewers games. I don't feel like he's made the trip too often. Maybe he uh, disagrees with some of the personnel decisions they've made. Maybe he's just a ex-golf all the time. Well, no one else is showing up there, so maybe it's his way of giving away... <laughs> Okay, we're, we're really deep into this. We're getting sidetracked, and that means we should just go fully off the rails. Jordan, have you got a Mike Dunlap's tweet of the week for us? Oh, yeah, we're back. And it's a fitting end to a Bucks podcast. Tweeted February 27th, 2023 at 1.59 p.m. Bucks, period. Plugging away, period. You man like grinders, quietly moving along without concern about who gets credit. Management elite. And players just want to make Milwaukee uh, proud. Yo, yo, man. I thought you said yo, man. Yo, which was, man. Which was very different. Uh, but yo, man, like. Okay. Yes. Management elite. With Haslam. And players just want to make Milwaukee proud. Pretty simple. Thank you to our fans. So important. Thank you, Mike Dunlap, for contributing to the Milwaukee Bucks who have won their last 16 games and are currently hold the best record in the NBA. I've got a I've got a tweet. I think this is one of his more weirdly punctuated, over punctuated. I know what you're talking about. Uh, this is from February 25th. Remember when? Period. A player, comma, defined to officials, comma, his own players, comma, coaching staff, period. He had a meltdown, period. Sent him to the locker room, comma, gathered himself, comma, finished game, period. 
boosters, comma, others, comma, didn't like it one bit, period. I wore it. I know you said period, but it is in fact a comma. No problem, period. Said young man graduated, comma, playing overseas, period. We are close, period. Which, I, there's something that's very ominous about that we are close at the end of that. That when I first saw it, I was like, I don't know if this is a promise or a threat, Mike Dunlop. But... The player was me 20 years ago. That's what I <laughs> It is. We are close. It's like, <laughs> if you're listening to this right now, I was the man. And if you turn around, said player is in the room with you. You know, that's. You look in the mirror, you see a shell of yourself, a former player. Say Dunlop three times in the mirror. This player appears. (laughs) There's also another one. Um, I just, I just think this is his worst punctuated. Like I I know we've talked before about does he dictate these things? Remember when? Period. That's not a sentence, Mike. You can't just say remember when and have a full stop. It's not a sentence. Are you ready for this one? Sure. Tweeted nine twenty five a.m. on March first, twenty twenty three. Winning streaks. And then he has a like bullet points. I see it. Double down. Pay attention to detail. Forget chatter. Bullet point. Break it down. Emphasize D. Targets slash quarter. Same with O. Bullet point. House's money. Experiment with little big things. Actions and rotation. Different player combinations. Hold on, you can you can do it, Jordan. Bullet point. Get better thirst. thirst. Point out areas of improvement. He loves the T word. He, he loves what, it. What can you say? The man's thirsty. He's thirsty. Get him a drink. Uh. <laughs> On that sound from Jordan Chesky, we will wrap up the latest episode of the Winning <laughs> Six podcast. <laughs> If you don't know already, we probably, uh, I didn't think we were going to get emergency news, live breaking news. Otherwise, I would have left this up front when I thought it was going to be a much shorter podcast. But here we are, Jordan. If you ever wanted to, I don't know, hang out with Jordan and I, to watch a books game with Jordan and I, what if we also threw into the mix? Windish. The Bayshore Parker. Will that get you excited? We got Numak. We got Andrew Snyder. We've got a dual watch party. April 4th in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Exact venue. TBD. But we're going to be watching Brewers take on the Mets, the books take on the Wizards, and you can you can be there with us. Honestly, if you're listening, why aren't you gonna be there with us? What what excuse have you got? Yeah, and is it a good one? Because if it's not you a good one, see your doctor's. Jordan note. doesn't want to hear it. Doesn't want to hear it if it's not a good excuse. 
Uh, Mike Dunlap, come to our watch party, please. (laughs) So, Mike Dunlap, if you want to come, how you do that also applies to everyone else. Yes. Go to gspn.info. The very first link right up top there is register for the in-person GSPN Brewers Books Watch Party April 4th in Milwaukee. Click on that. You get to a Google form. Put your name in. Put your email address in. And let us know how many guests will be joining you. Please only do this if you are set on coming, if you're going to really commit to it. Um, Our reason for doing this is we want to make sure that if people want to come and hang out with us and get to meet us, it's not something we've had the opportunity to do, you know, with the whole me living on the other side of an ocean thing. Uh, So we want to get it right and we want to try and work out that we have a venue that can cater for the right number of people, whatever that may be. So we're, we're giving everyone a chance. If you are interested, if you can come along, if you want to bring some friends, this is the thing to do. GSPN.info, go to the form, just give, put your name, an email address that we could send the details of the event to, and that's it. Hit submit, and we'll be in touch soon. Um, but we'll probably we'll probably close this up very soon so that we actually get a venue locked in, but we want to make sure if anyone wants to come and meet us, wants to hang out and watch some books or brewers, they'll have the chance to do so. So make sure you go fill out that form. We're excited to meet people. Meet the I'm people. very excited. Uh, little breaking news to close this out. The Milwaukee Bucks are signing center Myers Leonard to a second consecutive 10-day contract. So I'll just tell ESPN. And that is from Adrian Wojnarowski. Spending is real, guys. Spending a lot of money. I think those uh those sharks can sniff a title in the water, Jordan. <laughs> Eurostep Podcast Network, all things books. That's us here at Winning Six, and it's also Eurostep with Ty Windish and the Bayshore Parker. Talking to Tundra. We've got Jordan. We got Numac talking all things Packers. The handyman. Sorry? The handyman. The handyman? That's I that's my new nickname for Newmark. Oh, okay. Well that yeah, that's pretty apt, gotta say. <laughs> and cruiser for bruising. Myself and Andrew Snyder talking all things brewers, spring training's on. Uh brewers could be fun this year. They certainly have the players within their system to be fun this year. Whether they will allow themselves to be fun, that remains to be seen. But uh I'd recommend if you've been out on the Brewers in recent years, you want to get back in. I think there's reason to do so. The prospects are good, and I think we should be building something good, even though there's lots of cause for concern and disappointment salary-wise coming. There are real positives, too. So if you have not been watching Brewers baseball, uh, if you've been half-watching, if you want to really kind of get back into give us a listen. Cruising for Brewers and building up to the season and all throughout the season, we cover the Brewers series by series so very comprehensively and if you do miss games here or there like any even somewhat normal person does in the arduous major league baseball season we'll have you covered and last but not least we've got make time for this andrew snyder and i talking all things pop culture and everything else uh next uh, i shouldn't actually plug next week because i haven't posted this week's episode yet uh, we've got an episode talking about whether the MCU is no longer the most dominant form of movies, Jordan. 
That's coming up mm. this week. Sure, a lot of our listeners will love that. Um, and I'm sure a lot of them will love next week. We'll talk about Broker, the latest film from Japanese master filmmaker Hirokazu Koroda <laughs> and the rest of his filmography. And after that, we're into full-on Oscar predictions. This is this is the time of year where Andrew and I thrive on make time for this. So, doing all that, that's there. Basically, we do a lot of stuff with GSPN. Go check it out. That does it for us for this episode. Until next time, thanks to all of you for listening. Thank you, George. Thank you.